Yeah. Hello, everybody. Recording is in progress. Welcome once again to the Infinite Jest Book Club and Support Group and Podcast. Uh, there's an update available for my laptop. I should probably turn that on more than once every other week. But how is everybody doing? Good, good. And you? We are living the life. That is for <laughs> sure. Um, and yeah, so we might as well jump right in. So I had mentioned last time that we would start off this time with um, the uh, Joelle in the bathroom because it Mm -hmm. is such a big, powerful, Mm crazy-ish scene. Um, So anything else that anybody wanted to say about that? Hmm. When are let's think about in the book the times that the a bathroom is the prominent setting mm-hmm. for the scene? We have the first scene, right? Right. Um, and and there's a lot of parallels, right? The the, the cold floor the adjacent room being better lit or less lit or something, Mm -hmm. but you know, Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of um, narrative parallels there. Um, And then, you know, I just, I I think there's a lot also in there about Joelle's relationship to Jim. So the family, I I don't know that there's a lot of answers in there, but I I do think that Mm. there's a lot of hints And the, you know, one of the things that really jumps out at me is the thing that's mentioned a couple of times where Joelle says she hasn't been able to be this deliberate, Hmm. uh, presumably about preparing the free base rather than really fucking going all out, you know, Hmm. like, I don't think she's trying to say I haven't committed, tried to commit suicide in Molly Notkin's bathroom in almost a year. Um, So I think that that is something uh, interesting to think about is, you know, what has been happening in Joelle's life. Presumably it's taken, you know, at least in her addiction, a turn for the worse. Um, But, uh, and then of course the, uh, you know, the part about her father and the certainly uncomfortable relationship i mean uncomfortable for us the reader at least Mm. you know maybe that's an american thing as well that maybe the only people in that situation that are uncomfortable is us the reader because joelle seems to to be just fine and dandy with the relationship the father seems pretty happy about it the mom i guess probably isn't jazzed about it um but you know, just maybe another instance in the book where the family dynamic may cause us to cringe. And maybe the unspoken question is who gives a fuck? Um, you know, if that family dynamic is working and, and believe me, I'm not 
going to be uh, going out on a limb and saying which ones do and which ones don't, because we've got some real strange dynamics throughout this book. Mm. Uh, so, uh, all right. So, I mean, if, if we're good there on Joel, we can move along to the geographical description of Enfield, Massachusetts. Um, and uh, so what'd you guys think of this description? Again, coming 240 pages or so into the book, you know, most novels, probably 95% of novels would be over at this point. And now you're getting an introduction to one of the main locations. So. An extremely what, thorough description as yeah. per through David Foster Wallace uh, fashion. Yeah. Wow. No detail left unturned or no stone left unturned, no detail left uncovered or whatever. I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah, it was interesting, um, both the amount of detail and the area of detail. Right, uh, yeah. You know, like talking about the tax base. Yeah. Um, which is all valid stuff, and it can teach you a lot about a city. Um, but it, it, it's just, mm. it's very funny to see it in there, right? Sure. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's an interesting little corner of Boston. There are a lot of businesses. And from what I understand, these, a lot of these businesses, the names were either just swiped or it is so very obvious what he's talking about that, you know, people know exactly what he's talking about. Cool. Um, and yeah, so this description is really fucking packed, isn't it? <laughs> like, I mean, it's all one paragraph. I will not count the commas but my i would put the over mm. under at 85 <laughs> um you know and then there's enfield tennis academy on top uh overlooking the transformers and the ask me fans uh and from both the north and northeast tree lines eta looks down its hills steepest best planted decline into the complexly de the decaying grounds of Enfield Marine. Um, I had a professor once at Lemoyne. He said that colleges are built on hills so that they can be closer to God. Huh. Huh. I, I don't know if that's true. He was a reverend and like a brother guy, whatever. Um, and he seemed very confident about it. So, um, you know, what are some other reasons for building something on a hill? Well, they talk about 
they talk about the radio station, right? Mm. How the radio station has uh, an advantage to get more radio waves out if it's up on a hill, etc. Um, there are any number of reasons for building something up on a hill. Slightly fewer reasons for building something up on a hill that was shaved flat. I don't know what those reasons are, but it, it must be. It's probably not just that it's easier to play tennis on flat ground, but, um, but yeah, so there is Enfield, uh, a quaint little town. And now we're back in the dorm room and ha uh, Oren has called Hal uh, as the Enfield Ross Sewage Commission who has had enough shit out of Hal. That's pretty clever. Um, all right. So what's going on here? Another brotherly call. I know he may, you had said it on one of these calls that, that you like seeing Hal in these moments because, you know, either he lets his guard down or he lets his true flag fly. Um, I don't know, but I, I would agree that the tone that we get from Hal when he talks to Oren is unlike any tone that mm. we get from him anywhere mm. else in the book. What do you guys think that is? What's the tone that, how do you read his tone in, in this part? He lets his guard down. He's more vulnerable, you know, like you can't just call anyone and be like, I think these wheelchair guys are like stalking me. I'm afraid, or, you know, I don't know. It's almost like, trust his brother he can tell him mm. these things that maybe would sound just totally crazy to anybody else or yeah and he, and he's cynical for sure you know but mm. um i i have a brother we're close we're a year apart we don't like there's a difference when we're just shooting the shit and when we're having a conversation um and i i think part of the cynicism adds to the genuineness yeah. um because obviously with these two like you know you talk about the iceberg principle with Hemingway like this 10 percent that's over the water with Oren and Hal just think of the subtext of any conversation these guys have what they have been through Mm. what they have shared in the family unit, what they have seen, mm. what they suspect. Um, and again, I would point out the single quotes, um, which denote that someone is relaying this conversation. And this is not just a conversation, which would be denoted by the two parentheses um so yeah hal's cutting his toenails and he is in the proverbial zone right yes. <laughs> that part tickles me i don't know why i just think it's hilarious <laughs> yeah because I, I think on one hand he's fucking with his brother because his brother doesn't like the right. sound of toenails being cut or whatever but on, on the other hand he's appealing to the athletic shared background that they have. Mm. Um, you know, that is, I, and 
to me, that is something brothers have because I only have one brother. And I feel like until the day we die, we will be competitive with each other. It doesn't matter what it's about. It doesn't matter what it's over. Um, so I, I think that part of it, and you see Oren, you know, when Hal says, this is what I'm doing, Oren says, oh my God, you want to talk about ritual? You got to see these fucking guys that I play with now. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there is, and, and that is a big part of sport. And it, it may be, th- this may be his attempt to shed light on on that you know so here we go we're sending scouts we're sending high schools but you know we're sending professional scouts to middle school football games to identify the 14 year old that you think is going to change your nfl franchise in 10 years investing millions of dollars into this person talking about all the things that we've seen talked about, identifying someone as a prodigy saying they have promise. Now we've seen when someone has promise, when they're identified as a prodigy, they get more resources, right? Hey, we want to make everybody good, but you're already good. So we want to make you better. So what, what we do now is we, grain in your head all of the one two three motions of the game so that those are automatic to you and we're going to treat every single possible thing that might pop up and then it might come down to something like this someone who is just in the zone um so we can talk about cultivating promise for 10 years and everything else. And it still might come down to someone being in the zone and beating you. So, so how much of this is really in your control? Um, so, so yeah, hell's in the zone. Um, one of my favorite, parts of this and i just like the word choice uh you don't change your angle of incidence to the sun your angle of incidence to the sun i just like the way those words sound um and i guess part of the douchebag in me really appreciates the way to get your money's worth out of saying you don't get the sun out of your eye um so I like that. It's superstitious. Um, and, and yeah, where they go from the toenails to tennis to football. All right. And then uh, Hal says, well, please don't tell me you're calling about separatism or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's being followed. So, hey, Hallie, I think I'm being followed. And Hal responds with, this is the big moment. I've totally exhausted the left foot and switching to the right. So Hal does not seem to completely be taking seriously the threat, Mm. if any, of Oren being followed. Mm. Um, 
there is this tid- tidbit after a burial, rural Papineau region Quebecers purportedly drill a small hole down from ground level all the way down through the lid of the coffin to let out the soul if it wants out. Okay. Um, many have made the logical argument that if James, James himself's wraith did escape, this is probably how. Um, and it is interesting that this does come out in a quote rather than in narrative. It really, I mean, talk about fucking schizophrenic, right? The sated ghost cannot see secret things. Uh, the discursive OED postulates that this is one of the earlier on record prophylactics against schizophrenia. Hey, Hallie, after a burial, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, that does seem schizophrenic. So I think I'm being followed. Uh, some men are born to lead, which is a great comeback. No, I'm serious. Here's the we- weird part. They're in wheelchairs. So, <clears throat> anything here? Um, I guess what I would, what, the one thing I kind of picked up this time through, um, this call happens a couple days after like their last call when O first sort of broaches this whole Canadian separatist mm. sort of thing, you know? So I think yep. when Hal answers the phone this time, he's in like a slightly different spot where the first time he was sort of like, what, like a little confused as to why Oren had called him after sort of all this time. Now he's kind of like a little bit kind of in this different space. That's mm. where I think this kind of gag with the toenail thing. He sort of now knows that like, or needs something from him, you know, to, for some reason, he wants to talk to him about the separatist sort of stuff. And um, you can sort of tell that Oren wants to sort of say something, but doesn't really know how to broach the subject, you know, and he's kind of making sort of small talk, kind of trying to like whatever. And then Hal's just, you know, is I think happy to kind of just stick around with that. And then finally Oren's like, hey, Hallie, you know, like, I think I'm being followed, you know, and sort of being like, like, you know, and then still how kind of, and they both kind of play with like, you know, where Oren's still kind of not like, like trying to maybe be too alarming or whatever. And maybe he wants to try to get some information without like really kind of giving up the whole thing to Hal. But just that yeah. is. That, 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 that's a great, that, that's a great point. And when you, to, to bring it up like that, because yeah, he brought it up for some reason. Um, but what information does he want from Hal? Like, like, do you get the impression? Because just reading it back here really quickly, I don't get the impression that he's looking to receive information in as much that he's looking to pass the information on. The information, quite simply, there's people with wheelchairs following um, and, you know, again, I, I don't know how many people have listened to past episodes. We talked about that one phone call and was Oren maybe trying to give Hal a signal. Message. Yeah, uh, I love that. that was really good. Yeah, that was, I, th- uh, I think who said that, but that was really good. 
But here, it's interesting because they do. He brings up the wheelchairs. He says, I'm being followed by people in wheelchairs. They get to Hal busting his balls about banging the chick that lives in a trailer. And then, schizophrenically enough, Hallie, I've got somebody from Moment Fucking Magazine out here doing a, quote, soft profile. So, So whatever the purpose was, for Oren bringing up the wheelchairs, he seems to be satisfied. Yeah, he seems to be satisfied that the message has been sent and received. And if there is an agenda for this call, he has moved on in it. Oh, uh, just actually, I'm just reading, going up a couple lines, like, you know, Hal's kind of busting his balls about what what was the the person I think you met in the post office. What was her name? Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. He asks. He, he gives up the suggestions. Jean May, Nora Vera, and then or Orin like doesn't remember, so he doesn't answer. And then and then Orin says, "I am back on you with that." And then he says, "Oh, you really put the small R in romance." And then Orin says, "But why I'm calling?" And then he mm-hmm. says, "Um." Hallie, I've got somebody from Moment Fucking Magazine calling and they want to know about himself and they want to know about what's going on. And I don't know what's going on. So I need you to tell me what's going on so I can fabricate some story about what's actually happening. You know, so he so he's like, like the the wheelchair thing is weird, but this is why I'm calling. Mm. So it is weird that they that he did just go like, okay, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. To go, um, to go back to just the wheelchair thing, I, at one point in time, it, it really did occur to me, like when when Oren's describing to Hal this whole wheelchair thing, you know, Hal just hits him with like the best answer ever. He's like the fan club thing. Of like, yeah. you know, like I'm like, that is so logical and like hilarious. But it's like and then, you know, it, it's like, why not? Yeah. I, you know what? I don't know. They're all big, though, but it's weird, you know. But anyway, like, you know, yeah, we'll just talk about this now, you know. Yeah, it's I I think that it's very interesting to think about, you know, if Oren has an agenda for this call, what that agenda looks like. You know, because obviously he has some things he wants to cover. Um, And yeah, so uh, Helen is their family background question. She wants to know about himself. Everybody, you, the mad storks, the moms, it's gradually emerging. It's going to be some sort of memorial to the stork as patriarch. Everybody's talents and accomplishments profiled as some sort of refracted tribute to El Storco's career. Um, So it's important here, and I think it's obvious, that Helen has been there for a couple days at least, right? He didn't just meet her this afternoon. Mm -hmm. So, So he has probably, whether he knows it or not, He's probably been interviewed a couple times by her. Um, And, you know, because she's a special agent and he's a special punter, you know, he may not know that. And now that 
you know, she's maybe digging down a little deeper. This is when he says, oh, shit. All right. She wants to know about about that. Um, and I mean, we can certainly throw it out here for guesses or ideas. What do we make with the discrepancy in the descriptions of Steeply from Marath and from Oren? And uh, notice it's not just from Oren, but Oren is also saying the guys on the team are all about her too, which could be bullshit. But <laughs> good for <point. laughs> Good for That is fun. <laughs> But what 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 gives like any guesses because really i don't, I don't know an answer i mean I, I, sometimes this is orin to me is like this character that i can figure out i don't know to me sometimes he feels i i don't know if i underestimate him and i say he's just dumb he doesn't know better of course he he just he's clueless about life i don't i don't know sometimes he feels that way to me or maybe it's this um i don't know this this type of guy who uh, goes out on dates with like really beautiful women and he's used to that type so helen because he she he is such a different type almost the opposite just because it's a change in the routine that is attractive for him to him it, that's has it been my could certainly okay. be um in terms of how rich the incandenzas are how rich would you say they are as a family I mean, judging by where they like live, you know what I mean? Like Weston, like where they were sort of described, it's kind of like a, a like a Western suburb of, of Boston, you know, probably super affluent. Like it's not, not like, it's not Brookline, you know, it's not like you're living right in the city, but it's like sure. probably a very nice place. And I'm sure it has, you know, a little bit of a variety of people who live there, but you know, I mean, hey, they drive a Volvo. You know, so, uh, you right. know, and they bought a tennis academy. Well, sure. But that was only because he struck it big with the, you know, with the. Right. You know, right. Three. So they are, in a word, filthy rich. I mean, I don't think that they that those kids ever wanted for much of anything. Growing up um, and maybe Oren because he was the, the eldest maybe he did have some memories of them struggling financially i i don't know i get the impression that things kind of took off when they took off but by and large Oren is an exceptionally wealthy like generationally wealthy professional athlete who is by all accounts, incredibly good looking with a fucked up family dynamic. Um, it, I think what I was trying to get at is Orange shouldn't have a hard time picking up chicks, right? Right, right. 
Like even the punter on the NFL team still plays on the NFL team. And on top of being on an NFL team, he's rich. He's good looking. He's at least well-spoken enough to carry off a conversation. You know, I mean, we know he's good looking. He picked up Joel. It was described how Mm -hmm. that Joel was so hot that people would puke on their shoes going over to introduce themselves. So, yeah, also said that he was only also probably the, only, the first person to ever introduce himself mm-hmm. to her. So, you know, it was probably yeah. a little bit of everything at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and that is per- perfect, Wallace, isn't it? To just make sure that you don't, that there is nothing definitive in here, you know, mm-hmm. where, 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 you know, instead of being able to take a look at it and say, oh, yeah, this is this. There is that shadow of it. You know, it's like, well, Joel went out with him, so he must be this. Well, but also, he's the only one that ever asked her out. So that there, there is, you know, part of that double bind through the whole thing. Um, so, so, yeah, uh, Oren is drilling Hal. Listen, you of all people should know I have zero intent of forthrightly answering any stained family linen type questions from anybody, much less somebody who takes shorthand, physical charms or no. Um, so Hal kind of picks it out here at some point, but but Hal says, all right, oh, so let me get this straight. You have no intention of telling this lady the truth, but in order to not tell her the truth, you need me to relive this moment to tell you the absolute truth so that you can decide what you tell this lady. But we already know it's not going to be the truth. <clears throat> Probably um, psychiatrists would, would say that this isn't worth the journey. But um, but Hal has obvi- is obviously familiar with moments right? Let's hope her prose is better than whoever did that human interest thing on the blind kid last spring. Hmm. Um, any, any idea who the blind kid is? That kid that he had to guide, like, like the, somebody the kid asked that he, him. That he mentors, to, right? He, oh, there you go. That is that. Yeah. The like, like the, I, I, I would guess, right. Hmm. It, it, Cause it is yeah. mentioned a few times in here. Um, under suspicious circumstances that Hal has been asked to mentor this really gifted blind kid. And it's mentioned a couple times in the book, the special balls they use for the blind kids and everything. Um, so yeah, my guess is the blind, that is why Hal would have read that story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which also makes you wonder is the blind kid a plant um it's not the only reason i've wondered but one of them um so i noticed here when oren is lifting the things that she is asking him about you and tennis you and the saints himself and tennis the moms in quebec and royal victoria the moms and immigration, himself and annulation, himself and Lyle, himself and distilled spirits, himself killing himself, you and Joel, 
himself and Joel. The moms in CT, you versus the moms, ETA, mm. non-existent films, etc. So the one that jumped out to me here was you and Joel. As far as we know, what, why would Helen possibly be asking Oren about Hal and Joel? Uh, uh, I was questioning whether that was Hal. I think that's Hal listing to O the questions that potentially she's asking. I put a question you mark. Might be I, right. I, I put a question mark next to that, but I, I yeah. think it's Hal. I think it's I think it's Hal too, and I yeah. wrote down. Oh, so he I, you're knows. you're right. This, you're right. I just yes, you're it, right. I just noticed that. But why would Hal be saying that? Saying it, it's uh, uh, just, to me. This is sorry, Kevin. No, 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 no. I just I thank you. I just to me this part is so big. To me, this saying so Hal knows more than we think he knows. He, Hal he knows about everything. He's listing everything. Moms and Uncle Charles and the films and everything. He knows. Yeah, but why? And I agree with you, Hime. Why, why is he that? saying it? Ah, like, ah. looking at the conversation yeah. around her, uh, she's more imposing than, like, most of our starting backfield, but weirdly sexy. The linemen are gaga. The tackles keep making all these cracks about does she maybe want to see their hard profile? Let's hope her prose is better than whoever did that. Have you bounced this new fear of the handicapped off of her? Listen, you of all people should know I have zero intent of forthrightly, blah, blah, blah. Physical charms are no. And then how? You in tennis, you in the Saints, himself in tennis, the mom. So, so yes, you're right. That is how. My apologies. But where is it coming from? This list of things. It. You would expect it to be something that Oren is telling Hal rather than in this case where it might be Hal saying, hey, Oren, these may be things that you want to be prepared to answer. I don't, I, I don't know where else it would come from. Yeah, that, that, that seems... Yeah, it's like he wants to be maybe intimidating. Like, are you sure you want to talk about this? Do yeah. You want to know? Yeah, everybody said you'd regret not coming to the funeral, but I don't think this is what they meant. Well, uh, I guess if uh, the, the one thing I think how I sort of see this is a little bit, um, it goes back a little bit to what I was saying. I think like there's a little bit of this like Hal's like kind of like he's like kind of half blowing off some of the stuff that Oren's saying. I think some of this stuff could be read as them talking over each other and like, you know, like Oren's saying something, but then Hal just sort of starts talking. You know, there's a little bit of a weirdness. I think if, if when I picture them on the phone, like in how this conversation is actually happening, like where sometimes Hal's coming back into like, where when where he says like um uh she's asking all these soft profile-esque family background questions and then Hal just says she wants to know about himself like or like how yeah. he reads that I'm not sure but he's just like he like kind of he's like the first thing he says is she wants to know about himself or like 
you know, like what that like, or like, is that what you're talking about? And then Orin's like, yeah, like, yeah, that type of yeah. shit. So yeah, then like, this um, is just like the next thing that Hal's sort of saying, like, like, and he's mm, just listing, firing off all mm. the, I mean, notably all the weird stuff that's happened. Not like, like Hal, Hal's kind of making him work for it, right? You know, yeah. it's like, like if we go to a party uh, last night and you have a few too many cocktails. And you know that I drove you home and you call me today and say, hey, Jamie, we sure did have fun last night, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Real good time. We had an awesome time. Yeah. Do we play football? Like, you know, and and Hal is very clear here that he's going to make him work for it. Hal has had to work for it. Right. And, and he details the work that he had to do. Um, so yeah, he's going to make them work for it. And then interestingly enough, the first question, the first direct question that Oren asks him, for example, the stork took himself down before CT moved in upstairs at the headmaster's house or after this is you asking me, don't make this appalling for me, Hal. So here, this is, you know, probably like a typical relationship type thing where Oren is kind of saying, look, you know what I want. I told you the information I need. Just fucking give it to me. Don't make me tell you that I need something from you every time before you give it to me. Um, so the stork took him down, took himself down immediately before two three days ct had what's now delint's room next to Stitz in combat and dad knew they were very close i don't know oh you don't know mario might know like to chew the fat on this with boo boo oh huh. don't, don't make this like this hallie yeah, he's, he's, it seems like he's trying. Do you guys feel that maybe Hal is trying to make Oren like give up? Like he wants to make this really difficult for him because he doesn't want to, of course, he doesn't want to talk about this. Like right. you said, he doesn't want to relive these moments. So maybe he's trying well, to Oren, disencourage Oren. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Hime. And I think that all of the reading that Hal did on the psychiatry of grief he may have realized that Oren skipped out on Oren skipped out on the grief and now wants the cliff notes on the back end. Right. So here's this guy that, that didn't go through yeah. this very painful chapter for this family. He was not there. He was obviously not there, had no interest in it. So he didn't experience it. He didn't have any sort of healing. But now he just wants to come in at the back end and have you tell him about it. You know, it'd be like meeting someone it, like meeting someone at the finish line of a marathon and being like, tell me all about it so I can tell my friends about Heartbreak Hill. <laughs> um, and Hal is very obviously not cool with that. Mm -hmm. They already went through the pain. They went to the funeral. They dealt with all the grief. They were there when it was very real in the moment that it happened. And 
you know, where were you off doing whatever you wanted? And now you want to make me relive it, go through it. Yeah. I don't think he's right. He's not for your benefit. That. So, yeah, so you, just for your benefit. Yeah, so you so, know what not to say. Well, if you were there and everything or would know mm, what not to say, and mm, you've probably absolutely. already said too much anyways. Cause like you said, Jamie, you know, she's been there for how many days, you know, he's already divulged way more information than he probably wanted to. So. Um, right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so where was he found then? So, okay, now, who would you say speaks most about the guy, keeps his memory alive verbally <laughs> the most now? You, CT, or the moms? I think it's a three-way tie. So it's so. never mentioned? <laughs> Nobody talks about him? It's taboo? <laughs> but you seem to be forgetting somebody. Mario talks about him, about it. So uh, Oren and Mario do not I, I i don't want to say do not get along um oren doesn't like mario right right doesn't like him one bit uh really doesn't go to great pains to hide that um and hal obviously knows that and this is not the first time that hal is kind of giving him shit about it you know hey he's our brother too he has gone through this. He looks up to you. Maybe you should treat him like your brother. Um, so, uh, so yeah, then uh, Oren says who found him. And it comes out that Hal uh, has, Hal was the one that found himself. And then there's a couple of little slip ups like this where Oren is talking and he says an exercise in telemachery, whatever you mean, telemetry. How embarrassing. Like, so there's a couple times where and this was the first time I noticed it, but where Hal, I get the impression that Hal holds Oren pretty high in terms of linguistic standards. Uh, he talks to him at a higher level, even when he's busting his balls for being dumb. He talks to him at a higher level um, and does seem to expect the discourse to be at that higher level. But um, um, Jamie, that's actually that was actually Hal's fuck up. That's okay. Hal fucking up and Oren actually. Okay. Me. And Hal saying, okay. And but, that, but it does happen. I, I always write after that in parentheses, Hal can't help himself because he has okay. to correct them. But yeah. the one thing, if I can just off of that, um, yeah. uh, that whole telemetry situation, I Googled that and it's uh, apparently it's one of like the books of um, the Odyssey or something. And that was like his son. And apparently in that book, like that dude, Temecary or whatever his name is, yeah. um, is going out to find his missing father. Okay. So it's like this very weird, like kind of uh, situation going on. The other thing was like the reading on like a, an instrument. And so it was like a very, like a couple different letters in there. But um, I found that whole thing a little bit interesting. It's like, how do you... I I, I think that is definitely interesting. And thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, I never read that stuff at all, but. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. So, and that brings me to another question that I had, which we're going to assume that telemachery was not accidentally thrown in there. So is there any percentage of this conversation that may be taking place by code or by subtext? Um, I don't, I don't know, but that is an interesting, yeah, that, that is an interesting tell and, um, yeah, that he messed up on purpose. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's what it means. Mm. Um, mm. so first thing Oren asks about is CT and then he says, was she there? Right. Mm-hmm. Was she there? The Pigo. Joel hadn't been around the ground since you two split up. You knew about that. Himself met her at the Brownstone shooting. I'm sure you know way more about whatever it was they were trying to make, Joel and himself. Himself went underground too. Okay. So himself went underground too. Who else went underground? I mean... The, yeah, we know from previous sections that the moms is underground. If we're looking in this section for that, the object of that T-O-O, there, I mean, there's Joel mentioned, but Joel is not mentioned as being underground unless this is the mention of Joel being underground. Joel and himself, himself went underground too. So, um, so yeah, we, we've got, you know, that could maybe line up with the fact that Joel had not been able, well, no, we're talking well over a year before that. So, so himself went underground too. Um, my immediate thought was, we know that Avril is underground, and maybe that is what that refers to, that whatever threat is out there, that it was now being felt by himself as well. CT was already doing most of the day-to-day admin. See, this is the thing that I, I have a hard time seeing CT as the Iago-type villain. Um, he... It it almost seems like he was hired. It doesn't seem like any of this stuff that he's doing is usurping any power or duty from someone else or that anybody has any objection to it. CT was already doing most of the day-to-day admin. Himself was Mm -hmm. down in that little post-production closet off the lab for like a solid month. Mario would bring food and essentials down. That is very similar to 100 Years of Solitude. Uh, Sometimes he'd eat with Lyle. I don't think he came up to ground level for at least a month, except for just one trip out to Belmont to McLean's for a two-day purge and detox. This was about a week after he came back. He'd flown off somewhere for three days, 
for what the impression I get was work-related business, film-related. So film-related work. He's got a lot of work-related stuff. If Lyle didn't go with him, Lyle went somewhere because he wasn't in the weight room. I know Mario didn't go with him and didn't know what was up. Mario doesn't lie. It was unclear whether he'd finished whatever he was editing. Himself, I mean. He stopped living on April 1st, if you weren't sure, was the day. I can tell you, on April 1st, he wasn't back by the time PM matches started because I'd been around the lab door right after lunch and he wasn't back. Um, so I know I just read that whole paragraph. I think that there is so much in there. Mm. No, what? I don't, I don't get it. Like a lot of the things I can't put in place, but there is a lot of information about the end of his life there. Mm. Um, again, it's recounted, um, you know, kind of like I had said the last time where it's like the Bible, where you have more than one person recounting the same thing. And inevitably there are different details mentioned in each one. Um, probably not coincidentally in this, uh, paragraph, he had flown off somewhere for three days. Um, so, you know, there is that biblical illusion, maybe probably only as a wink and a nudge and a chuckle, but it's there. Uh, he went in for another detox, you say, in what, March? And Hal says here, the moms herself emerged and risked exterior transit and took him herself. So, so, so Hal gathers it was urgent. We hadn't, we had an emergency detox uh, situation here. Uh, but then he quit drinking in January, Hal. So Joel was really specific that he quit drinking in January. And they're saying that the moms took him for an emergency detox in March. So can right, so this is like who do you who do you believe? Because if Joel says that was a promise, right? He right. promised her he was going to stop drinking. That was a condition for her to participate in the movies. So supposedly he did stop drinking, but that was in January. If he was take himself was taken to detox in March. So yeah. he was he was drinking at the time, or was it this a consequence of him having watched the film? Who, and, what and, and here's Hal says, uh, well, I don't know what to tell you. By this time, it was hard to tell whether he'd been ingesting anything or not. Mm. Apparently, at a certain point, it stops making a difference. Now, this mm. is the first time we've heard anyone except for a child not be able to identify when himself was drunk right i mean we've got pictures of or descriptions of him falling asleep at the table babbling incoherently it, it doesn't sound like he was a sneaky drunk 
But Hal is saying at this point in his life, he was either so incapacitated that he wasn't starting with much or, I mean, that's the way I've got to take it, mm-hmm. is that at his best, he wasn't contributing much to this world. So, no. um, so yeah, Oren's asking about this trip. Did he have film related? Blah, blah, blah. He wasn't back by match time. I came over. All right. So Hal came over. They talk Can about. Can I say one thing real quick? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, just to yep. wrap that last part up. I think the, yep. the one thing I find interesting about that thing, the whole drinking thing with Oren, is that Oren starts out and he says, like, he went for another detox, you say, in what, March? And then Hal says, uh, yeah, you know, he says, yeah, it was March. And then then Oren says he quit drinking in January. So Oren asked Hal a question that he knew the answer to, you know, like what, why did he ask him if he quit drinking when he knew, because it didn't really, I don't think they had mentioned, I guess before that. So it's like, it was, it stuck out to me that he was like, ask trying to get Hal to like, I don't know. I, I didn't know right, why. Right. Who, who is Oren trying to inform upon? Joel or himself? Is he trying to figure out if Joel is lying to him or is he trying to figure out if himself actually quit drinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would stuck out to me a little bit That's- as like, you know, in what, March? Like, just kind of like him like, yeah. throwing out some, you know, because you know that he uses like, you know, the seductive strategies, the distraction strategies. So I think and it's very unlike Oren to have a specific date or even an identifier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 He doesn't even know who found his father dead, but he knows that he quit drinking in right. Jan, you know? Yes. Right. Yes. Great point. Um, we talked about this before the large and half full bottle of wild turkey with the large red decket decorative gift rowish bow on the back um on the bottle's neck you mean as in he hadn't been sober after all <laughs> and that w- that would seem to follow oh and he left no note or living will type video or communique of any kind I know you know he didn't. Now you're asking me stuff that I know you know, besides criticizing him and making sobriety claims when you weren't anywhere near the scene or the funeral. Are we just about through here? I've got a whole long nailed foot waiting. So as you reconstructed the scene, you just said. So yeah, it feels like O is kind of interrogating him. Like, it, it, it seems like he's trying to suss out any sort of lies or inconsistencies. Why? I don't know. Maybe Helen put it to him like this. Well, Oren, I've got a real... Oren, there's so much stuff that lines up to me, but there's one thing that doesn't. I heard that your father went to rehab in March, but everyone that I've spoken to says that he quit drinking in January, you know? So, so maybe that brings O to the table to, you know, that's where this extra information is coming. 
Uh, then about, we have, yep. And and sorry, what about what do you guys think about the the April the month? Maybe Oren thinks she had something to do with this, and maybe she, he Oren thinks Al is lying because he has been influenced by the moms, and he Oren's is suspicious because of that. I don't know if you. Yeah. No. No. I think I wouldn't discount it out of hand. That's for sure. And like, what do you yeah. guys think? Do you think she had some role to play in that? Like the bottle on the counter? Was that her? Or I mean, that's, I think, what the, what the writing would kind of make you believe. But it's hard to think like, oh, so she left him a bottle and then what? He drank it and just th drink and half. That was it. You know what I mean? He just decided, uh, to, uh. you know put his head in the microwave. Yeah. yeah. And what I think is that himself didn't kill himself like Epstein. Um, I, I think spitballing. I think that it was probably Marath with or without Avril's help. Mm. But then because the book is called Infinite Jest, I think that it was steeply disguised as Marath, maybe or not in conjunction with the mom. Here's what I think is that the suicide scene is set up perfectly if you're in a wheelchair, not if you're over six foot tall, I'm six foot four. If I were to construct my suicide den, whatever, and I'm going to go through the trouble of dickying the microwave to make the, uh, you know, to make the funny Sylvia Plath joke, that's really how I want to go out. I am going to make sure the microwave is high enough up that I don't have to be half on my knees to stick my head in it on the counter that that is something that anybody over six feet tall will tell you if it's physically possible it's not comfortable and if you're in control of it that's not how you do it unless you were mm. in a wheelchair so that's kind of what i think about that um, you know, and, and there are some, there are some reasons and, and there's also, I just, in there's obviously arguments against that himself has as big a microphone as anybody in this book, a anybody, maybe everybody else combined. And we have opinion, uh, stereotype rumor and innuendo of all kinds in this book. But what is one thing that is not alleged in this book? I don't think that it's alleged anywhere in here that he didn't kill himself. I mean, there's some wonder, like, hold on, how did he even do that? But I don't think anybody comes out and says, do you think he was murdered? Yeah, uh, uh, I get, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe he did, 
and he was influenced by he saw the film and that's why in those last days yeah, he, or months he was in that state of he mental. has never come out he has never come out and said like in hamlet avenge me he has you know he has never come to hal and said hal i was killed by such and such avenge my death hmm. he had the opportunity he hasn't done that so um yeah so that that may be nothing but the whole death scene doesn't make sense to me i guess the one uh, thing i would just say about that i feel like i feel like though that's it that's the mo of somebody that's the mo of avril killing himself and and trying to make it look like a suicide because she wouldn't want it to be reflected directly on her it's less about the afr if it was the afr their mo is to just do it in front of everybody and they don't give a shit about the repercussions mm. so i would be a little curious as to it's kind of against their like their way of doing things they do things in public for the the reason to do it so i feel like it, it, you could be a little bit right with it being like a family thing because you do kind of want to protect yourself because you know that's like you know they usually say if the body's covered up it's somebody because they need to hide the body away from you know being found so they can get away sure. so i feel like i feel like it could you know it could bode a little bit you know um for maybe a family member doing it you know and and i could sort of see that just to make it look like a i scene. think we can agree yeah. it was not done to fly under the radar right like if he killed himself if he was killed it was not done to fly under the radar. No. But it I was see that being a, the selected method that himself would think of, you know, just in that, yeah. like, you know what I mean? He was a pretty, like, in his head, you know, reading of the films and stuff. He definitely didn't have any shortage of uh, weird, you know, thought thinking and stuff. Yep. As yeah. Far as like, I, I agree. And and again, those are just thoughts. I don't even yeah. necessarily know that. I believe them, but, um, you know, the angle of the height of the thing, that's a, I mean, that's a smart, you know, certainly it is definitely, you know, thoughtful as far as just thinking like, you know, that, that they couldn't kill him if he was on a stage or something like, you know, like they gotta be able to get, right. at him, you know, so. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, they move on to the grief therapist. Okay. And Hal starts talking about the grief therapist. Uh, the man with those eyebrows, the blah, 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 blah. And here Oren interjects with fucking CT already moving his collection of platform shoes and unconvincing hair pieces and Stairmaster in upstairs at the headmaster house already. Um, so so Oren's really hung up on this, like Hal was at the beginning of Hamlet, with one eye uh, auspicious and the other overflowing is what he says. Um, so, so yeah, Oren is really held up on this CT thing, um, much more so than anybody else, it seems. Um, so, so yeah, Hal, uh, finally breaks down and talks to Lyle, says, Lyle, I've got to graduate from grief therapy. What the fuck? And Lyle tells him, well, yeah, what you need to do, Hal, is go research what the grief therapist is looking to hear 
Okay. So, and obviously this is right down. This is right up Hal's alley, right? Hold on. I, there is a book that I can memorize that if I tell someone meta, what I memorized out of that book, I don't have to talk about my feelings anymore. Mm. Bingo done. And that's exactly what he does. And that is by and large, how Hal lives his life. Um, mm. So he graduates. Yes. He gets out of um, grease therapy. And cause he told the, uh, grief therapist that he couldn't help that his first thought was that it smelled good in there and he was hungry. And, um, so then, yeah, the grief therapist got out, uh, but you got through it. You really did grieve and you can tell me what it was like. So I can say something generic, but convincing about loss and grief for how moment. That, uh, sorry, that I think that says so much about him. Like, that boils you it right. you're talking about uh, pain and suffering and he's being vulnerable and open and, and Oren goes, yeah, this is what I want. It's all about me and I don't care about you. Tell me more. And I don't know. I think that's so good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Oren is not going through this process or the healing Oren's not even going through the cheating that Hal did. Oren wants, Oren wants the benefit of Hal's cheating and grief to find out. Right. Um, so, all right. So, yeah, there's a lot there. I know that took us a while, but there is a lot there. Um, anything else on that scene? I have a question. What do you what do you what do you guys think when Hal says that was the truth? I told the therapist I didn't feel anything. Was that is that really is that the truth or is that something else he thought the therapist wanted to hear? And that was him just delivering the goods again. I don't think Hal felt nothing. I think. No, I think that Hal definitely felt something. Um, I don't think Hal has the words to say how it is that he feels because he can't learn that from a book. Well, he tried. Yeah. Yeah. I even tried telling him I didn't feel anything, which was a fiction. Of course it was a fiction. Yeah. He says, what could I do? I was panic stricken. Yeah. Like he's at a loss for words, this person that's never at a loss for words, you know, like I, this is something exactly. that you can't learn in a book and I already lived through it. Now you want me to live through it again so you can benefit from that. Yeah. I think he's kind of like fed up. Right. And I, I think his brother as well to... as with the grief counselor. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think we're going mm -hmm. to see, this image pop up again in the AA sections, right? Like everybody wants to figure it out. You know, why does it work? What do I do? It's pretty yeah. fucking simple. Just go to a fucking meeting and shut your mouth and listen. No, but that I really want this to work. Can I do extra credit to make it go faster? No, nah, just go to the fucking meeting, 
shut your mouth and listen. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, that's kind of what's happening here. They're, they're looking for a shortcut. Um, so, yeah, I, I've got to imagine we will come back to that section as a reference piece, because I think there are a lot of facts and timelines there. Um, so let's go to Port Washington. I don't know that we're going to finish this section today. It is a long one, but let's at least get into this. What is going on at Port Washington? Pamela is throwing up. <laughs> yeah, they've got a tennis meet, right? It's a huge right. tennis meet. I think they said... What, 154 courts or some shit. It's a huge tennis meet. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, as the games are going on, Pemulus is not feeling very well and is throwing up, right? Mm-hmm. Right. All right. And... Um, and then who, who's there with them? Shocked? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, yes, there's the description of this uh, this dome, right? It's a huge dome. Um, I think he does a great job describing it. I actually feel like I can smell not the puke, but like he does a great job painting this picture. Um, so last year ETA didn't have John Wayne and Hal had not yet exploded competitively. So they lost to Port Washington. Everybody thinks they're going to win this year. Um, Hal is on fire. Again, this is another different description about his competitive explosion. Uh, probably the second or third time we've heard it described. Um, and there's a description of Hal's game. It involves attrition. He'll probe pecking until some angle opens up. Until then, he'll probe. He'd rather run his man ragged, wear him down. Three different opponents had to go to oxygen. Um, yeah, hmm. so Hal is not going to commit an unforced error. He is going to sit there and wait until his opponent does. And then Hal can fundamentals him hmm. to death from there. So sounds a lot uh, like Hal's game is like basically based on perfection. You know, mm. he's just always going to hit the right shot and put it right where he wants and that make the other guy hit his the best shot. And he'll do that over and over and over again until the other guy messes up. And then, you know, uh, how wins the point? You know, so it, it does sound like it's based on just like, yeah, him being very good and and just waiting, you know, waiting the other guy. Out. Yeah, it, it's it's almost yeah. like like the analytics model, like a casino. The casino knows that if you come in and you play five hands of blackjack and you don't hit anything, your chances of winning are better than someone who's going to sit there for five hours and play by the rules of blackjack every single hand. 
the casino knows what their advantage is and they know the longer the game is the more that advantage shows up hell the same thing mm-hmm. uh hell knows the longer the game goes the more likely it is that someone is going to mess up hell also knows that it's not very likely that he's going to be the one to mess up mm-hmm. so like that recursive video that they watch of the guy that just hits four hands back and forth. Hal is perfectly fine doing that all day until the other guy ups the ante and and says, well, I've got to do something risky. Um, So, so yeah, John Wayne's post pirouette backward inertia has carried him into the heavy black tarpaulin. Uh, the boom of the tarp. Yes. And here, uh, Michael Pemulus, nobody's fool throwing up. Uh, <laughs> pretty nerves. Um, yeah. And shocked says in this narrative that he at least suspects there might be some withdrawal going on. Mm. John Wayne is very clear that I am never high or hungover for you know, sports. So this can't be that I stop everything. Well, dipshit, anybody that knows anything about drugs, that's what killed me. Like, I don't know if you guys remember Brett Favre. He used to be a quarterback in the NFL and it came out that he was addicted to painkillers like many people of that time. And he had said, I never practiced or played while I was high on those painkillers. And to that, I say a big go fuck yourself. Because if you're taking, if you're addicted to drugs, you're not going to not take them for the biggest thing that happens to you all week. Exactly. So, so the, yeah, there's that. Pemulus throwing up. Uh, shocked is kind of rubbing his head. He lightly strokes the sides of Pemulus's head as his mother had stroked his own big sick head back in Philly. Um, that's just, it's, it's a funny little image, isn't it? Him rubbing his head while he throws up. Um, so, yeah. The, more tennis talk. Pemulus has nothing left and is spasming dryly. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff here that probably I'm missing, but Shock talks him through, you know, you have to have no stomach, um, and they do that. Jesus, I feel awful. Things could be worse. Expand on that, will you? This wasn't like that. Atlanta stomach incident we were enclosed here no one saw so you get the feeling this is not a new thing um pemulus doesn't get that feeling which is weird because it's happening to him but uh so um worry about your own guy so they come out right and they play their games and this is a big match for Pemulus, right? Because mm-hmm. if he doesn't right. win this match, he doesn't get to go to the Whataburger and right. do drugs with his friends. Right? Yeah. So does Pemulus win? Yeah. He does. Anything weird about the match? 
just like dude come on Mike oh man that I was like I some some of this stuff I feel like um I feel like the nice thing about reading rereading this book is like you forget some of the little details about what's going on. I forget about some of the little jokes and like just stuff mm-hmm. that I find really funny. Like, you know, I'll be out. Oh, I totally forgot about that. And that was like one part where I was just like, Oh, I forgot that like the kid couldn't even apparently finish the match. He was like, so messed up, you know? Oh. Um, right. You know, on like, right. You know, dreams or whatever the heck the kid you know i and i think it was more that i think maybe mike um overestimated the dosage because this kid was like probably never done drugs before in his whole entire life and mike you know drops one uh you know dream in there or something and the kid is like you know on cloud nine and 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 all that so uh it's a little i think i was just a little bit like oh my god like so nobody said anything but we'll just you know it was definitely mysterious is i guess what i would uh you know as described um yeah yeah i mean i think it's pretty obvious at least you know on the back end that pemulus has dosed his opponent right probably with dmz um, and if you remember when Pemulus first mentions the DMZ, he mentions the water cooler at Port Washington and they laugh it off. Um, but yeah, it seems pretty obvious to me that uh, Pemulus's opponent was dosed. Um, I mean, it mentions him eating at the buffet with his hands um he's not able to finish the match he uh couldn't hit the ball at one point because it was so pretty if memory serves Mm -hmm. um and and i think the only mention of it in the narrative i don't see but something like surprisingly pemulus won um so 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 yeah that is what's happening here there uh at least up to the introduction of the ennett house um right shocked and his men play at a certain point it becomes like romans applauding lions um so so yeah there's that and i don't even this it may not have even been mentioned yet about pemulus winning um but i know um i i I feel like this is as good a place to stop um because i feel like once we get into this aaa stuff Mm. uh, we're 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 really going to need some time um i just so yeah okay so yeah this is really the end of the port washington park correct mm-hmm. all right and i get so fucking confused with this book like what when i'm trying to think what we've read and then like i talk to liz and i'm like i don't know what page let me let me take a look i don't i don't even know um so yeah the uh the pen Port Washington meet. Um, don't get the impression that it's a huge meet, except maybe in terms of seating, in terms of momentum going into the Whataburger. And 
maybe for bragging rights for the pro Raptors. Um, you know, but really to wrap up everything we talked about today, let's let's one of the big themes in Hamlet is watching. Everybody is watching everybody to see how they react to give them and then and then using that reaction to inform their opinion of what that person may have had to do with the death of the king. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot of watching, observation, and surveillance happening in this book as well. But it's all absurd. Right? I mean, we have Marath and Steepley, who are these special agents in charge of surveillance and spying and everything else, who meet on the top of a mountain in the middle of the night in Arizona, one of them in a wheelchair, the other one in drag. Drag. <laughs> you know, Oren, Oren and his whole football team don't recognize that same special agent still in drag, still just as large. So, so while I think the theme of observation and surveillance are in this book, I almost feel like Hal with the grief therapist that they're cheating and they're looking for shortcuts. So maybe Oren says, well, this Helen Steepley is a magazine journalist profiler and magazine journalist profiler women are pretty good looking and she's one of those. So she must be a good looking woman profiler from this magazine. Um, I don't know. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me how much that a lot of these characters see but don't recognize through the disguise, even though it doesn't seem like the disguise is a particularly apt one. For how much watching they do, they're oblivious to some things that are just so obvious. Like this is water, right? You're just, yeah, exactly. You're just choosing to not see this. <laughs> right. For, for all the looking that they're doing. And again, it was mentioned yeah. that what 99% of compulsive thinking is about thinking about things that could happen to you inevitably those things are bad things and mm -hmm. don't happen to you but you spend 99 percent of your day thinking about bad things that are probably not going to happen to you mm -hmm. yeah and right and that i think to me that has to do with this it's, it's right here in that last section about this the about the um that scene with the kid Teddy and families and when, especially when he talks about Teddy and he says, that's what happens when you don't care. So that's the difference between that idea yeah. right there. The problem is that you care too much. And the solution is that you don't, you not care at all. 
or not that much and self-consciousness I think it's that to me that idea is related to what you're saying I think to me that is a that's the problem or the yeah I'm glad you brought that up that's a great place to wrap up for the day that's a big part of this isn't it that shocked tore up his knee fucked up his knee and that made him come to terms with the fact that, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be a professional tennis player, but I'm still playing tennis, which is what a lot of people would love to do. I'm still better at tennis than 99% of people will ever be. And now that I don't give a fuck if I win, because it doesn't matter, I'm playing better. Yeah. So... So, yeah, they are drilling these guys to want to win, to internalize the struggle, to make it automatic. And Shocked has found, ironically enough, that doing the opposite of that has him playing better and being happier. Mm, Exactly. Once he stopped giving a fuck, he actually started enjoying it and then... Yeah, that seems to happen a lot in this book in a lot of realms that if you're studying something to graduate, I need to graduate grief therapy. I need to graduate AA. I need to win this Mm. tournament. Mm. You know, there is the way that's working, right? Because I'm not even going to say the the quote unquote right way. No, because we're not guessing if it's the right way. The way that's working, okay? It's established and it's simple. Mm-hmm. Or you could try to shortcut that and cheat it. And time and time again in this book, we are going to see characters identify that system or that structure and have to come to terms with it themselves. Is this something that I can do? And at every step of the way, the answer is there. No, no, you can't do this. Even Evil Knievel couldn't jump over 156 buses lined up end to end, but he could jump over one 156 times or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, In AA, you're not going to be able to walk in and say, I'm never going to touch a drink again in my life and show success at a predictable rate. But what is predictable is that if you come to AA and you say every day, I'm not going to drink today, you have a real good chance of not drinking that day. So define your goal. Do you want to say my goal is not drinking today and at the end of the day, be able to celebrate that win and be able to string wins together Or do you want to say, I'm not going to drink again for the rest of my life, and I'll know if I won or if I succeeded when I die. But I don't get to celebrate a win until then because I don't know if I have achieved my goal. That's good. Uh, 
So, so, you know, there is those parts of it, those kind of micro goals that to set up for yourself to make these things manageable. Um, Hmm. Yeah. I think it's exactly. I think it's David Foster Wallace to me is talking from his own experience. He knows if he is, he is right. Because he's so smart. It's like Hal or Jeffrey Day. What plays against them is that they're so smart. It's not going to make things easier for them, but he knows that the secret is to the success is to make things the opposite, not overwhelming, more manageable. As you said, it seems to me that he is again, he's part of his message. Yeah, because it is mentioned that intelligence is a detriment to getting sober. Um, so, you know, when people talk about surrender with AA, it seems like intelligent people or overly intelligent people, in addition to everything else they have to surrender, they have to surrender their intelligence. And exactly. And how. Right. And just kind of <laughs> fucking give it a break, you know, <laughs> set it down. You know, and I always go back to, because I think it's brilliant, the, the brownie instructions. You don't have to believe that a brownie huh. is going to manifest itself from this. Belief has absolutely nothing to do with it. All you have to do is follow the motherfucking directions <laughs> on the box and maybe ask someone who's a little bit more experienced at making brownies if you happen to fuck up the direction somewhere. <laughs> right. Like, that's what you have to do. If you have to graduate from grief therapy, you go to grief therapy, you, you know? So, so, yeah, I think that that is something we will be exploring more, you know, those, these structures that are in place and those who do look for shortcuts. Because I, I don't know how many we've run into so far, but by and large, it is the more gifted and more advantaged people who are taking these shortcuts. Um, you know, I don't want to pick on anybody, but let's say poor Tony, if, if well, poor Tony's probably not coming to Enfield. You see these you see these folks that are really, really down on their luck. If they ever had luck, they're real down on it right now. Mm -hmm. Those are the people at rock bottom who are ready to listen and ready to embrace rather than those people that still those people like Lentz. Who, who's still a little bit smarter than everybody else. So Lentz can do everything they're doing. Yes, no, I'm doing it. I go to the AA, I do all the things that you guys do, and I'm so fucking smart that I also have enough time left to do cocaine. So who is doing this right? Mm. Right? Lentz is legit saying that. And... That is what we're seeing time and time again in the book, in my opinion, is there are simple directions in place and characters are taking the harder way to use a shortcut 
and they are not getting the same results. Right. Does that make any sense? It does. All right. So, yeah, there's a lot just in these sections. And I really mm -hmm. feel like this section of the book, and it might just be that the names are starting to fall in place. So, you know, you're able to put more of the words make sense to you. So there's more going on, it seems. Um, mm -hmm. and I, uh, we will start next time with the AA section and yeah, we, you know, as, as you're reading, just take a look at, um, see like concepts rather than specifics. So in AA, the concept of addiction, the concept of acceptance, the concept of surrender, and just think about how that concept translates to academics, to athletics, to sickness, to geopolitical warcraft, um, you know, just let those uh, concepts bounce around in your head more than the specifics. And I'll meet you here probably in two weeks. Awesome. Cool. Good. Thanks as always, everyone. Thank, thank you, guys. It thank was you, a pleasure. Thank you, All as right, guys. Still Keep going. in touch. Thank you. And we'll see you soon. Thank you, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you, guys.